Thank you, Janie. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you. <clears throat> All right, I have props today. What do you think? I know. Got this big, awesome fan. I'm gonna put it right here. You guys doing good? How many people survived Frozen last night? That's <laughs> cute. We had, a, we had a bunch of little kids in here last night. It was really cool. I guess that's what church should be like, huh? All right, there's my props. We'll get to them in a second. Uh, last week, we talked about what the vision of Granite Creek is, like where, where do we, we want to go, like what do we actually want to do. And um, the vision statement for the church, in a nutshell, I mean, the vision is it, kind of big and expansive, but the vision statement for the church is to see families and cultures transformed by heaven. To see heaven on earth, to see the miraculous take form. How would you, how would you talk to a friend about that? You would say, if they ask you, where's Granite Creek going? And you would say something, if it's, if it's, uh, if it's somebody that has a bunch of kids, you would say something to the effect of, well, we want, Granite Creek wants to see families and relationships healed miraculously. We want to, we want to see God intervene in the family. If you're talking to somebody at work and they say, where's Granite Creek going? What are they doing? You would say, well, Granite Creek wants to see culture transformed. They want to make the world a better place through, through the power of God, through, through a miracle if need be. So that's where we're going. We're going for the big prize. Uh, we're not going for like a, a nice little moral lifestyle or we're not going for, you know, we just want to make good little Christian boys and girls so they don't say bad words, and, uh, and they're nice to each other. I mean, that's, that's a part of the package, of course. But we want active Christians. We want our kids to function in the spiritual gifts. We want, we want our cake and eat it too. And so that's, kind of, that's what we're after. Now, today's message is uh, we're going to be talking about our mission. So the vision is like what we want to attain, what we want to grasp. We want to, we're going after heaven. We're going after a kingdom lifestyle. We're, we're going after uh, a supernatural lifestyle. That's, that's, that's what I want. That's what I want for you. And I believe strongly that's what God told me a couple weeks ago. So that's what we're going for. Now, what does Granite Creek actually do? What is our mission? So if our vision is where we're going, our mission is actually what are we doing? Our mission and our values is what we, what we actually do. And so if your friends or your family or your coworkers say, what, is, what does that church do? You would say, a lot. <laughs> that's, a, that's really good, isn't it? I like that a lot. That sums it up right there, doesn't it? Interesting. Okay, we're, we're going to get into a lot today. Relationship, not religion. Look, we don't do relationship right, but at least we're trying to do relationship. We might be fumbling forward on relationships, uh, personal relationships, family relationships. We, look, you know that a relationship is key to the growth of your family. Uh, church relationships. You can't be fake. You, you can't be plastic when you, when you do church relationships. You have to speak the truth in love. It's difficult sometimes. Now, the most important thing is we want a relationship with God Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We want that relationship and nothing that turns into a systematic religion. Because religion is mean, nasty, it eventually will morph into hate, 
And, and, and Jesus is very clear. It doesn't get you to heaven. What gets you to heaven is a relationship with God. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. So our mission today is, okay, we are trying to do relationship as the best that we possibly can. And today's verse that we're going to look at, if, if, our, if our mission statement is relationship, not religion, this scripture that we're going to read in a few minutes, this is, the, this is our mission scripture for the church. And if you get your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 12, verse 28. And to set it up real quick, Jesus is in, he's in a discussion, he's in a debate. Uh, the, the Jewish leaders are questioning him. They're grilling him. They're trying to back him in the, into a corner on some specific things. And the people that are talking to him right now are a group of Jewish leaders called the Sadducees. And the, the, the Sadducees, um, they would have been the liberal theologians of the time. They, they didn't believe in an afterlife. And they didn't believe in signs and wonders. They didn't believe in the miracles. So the scriptures that they were reading, uh, to them, it wasn't necessarily true. It was all a part of the culture. They were more concerned about preserving the cult of the culture than they were of actually believing that, that, their, that their holy scriptures were true. They, didn't, they, they believed that once you were dead, you were gone, you were dirt, that was it. All the, the, the great cool miracles that happened with Moses and those guys, they didn't really happen. Sounds familiar, right? Well, these are the Sadducees. And so they, 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 ask, they ask Jesus a, you know, a question about the afterlife. You know, okay, you know, if uh, they say, okay, Jesus, I got a good one for you. So, um, you, know, you're, you know, how we're married and we're one flesh. Well, what if you end up with, you know, what if your, your, hus- your husband dies and then that husband dies and that husband dies? You, got, you have like six husbands that passed away. When you go to heaven, which one do you get to live with through eternity? So these are the types of questions they're asking him. And it, it, it really is silly. I mean, Jesus says, this is ridiculous. You guys are missing the big picture. You're not going to want to be married when you're in heaven. Some of you might not want to be married right now. Um, so, <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, back on track. Relationship, not religion, right? We're going to healthy families. Families transformed by heaven. All right. Um, now, so this is, this is who he's talking with. And in, in the crowd, in the audience, is, there's another religious figure, and that's who we're going to hear about now. And this was a Pharisee. And, you know, when you read, this, when you read the Gospels, you hear all about the Pharisees, and they're, they're, the Pharisees are the bad guys, right? Not necessarily, the Pharisees, would, we would consider, are, are, are Christian conservatives. They actually believe the Bible. They actually believe that you ought to follow the rules. They actually believe that you ought to live a moral life. They believe the word of God. They held it to a higher standard than the Sadducees. The Sadducees were, the, were these you know, really brainiac you know, uh, uh, theological, theological liberals. Well, the, the, the Pharisees... They were the, the grassroots, look, let's, let's let God transform our lives through the scriptures. Okay, so that's the setup. Now let's, let's read what happens. So um, this Pharisee, this scribe, he gets a hold of Jesus right after he, got, he gets grilled by, by the liberals. Okay, and this is what he says. Mark chapter 12, verse 28. Then one, and this is, um, this is in the amplified version. I, I, I like this version for this, this passage. Then one of the scribes came up and listened to them disputing with one another. 
And noticing that Jesus answered them fitfully and admirably, he asked him, which commandment is first and most important of all in nature? Jesus answered, the first and principal one of all the commandments is, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is, is one, Lord. And you shall love the Lord your God out of and with your whole heart and out of and with your soul, your life, and out of and with your mind and with your faculty of thought and your moral understanding and out of and with all of your strength. This is the first and principal commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. In the Gospel of Matthew, he actually says, uh, Matthew words it a little bit differently. Matthew says, uh, all of the law, all, all the commandments, they hinge on these two. Like this is, this is the cornerstone. These are, this is the cornerstone of everything that you believe. It all hinges on this. And so when we think about, okay, if say, Josh, what's the direction of the church? What is Granite Creek Churches about? I just gave you like some really like two ba- really big general uh, ideas, right? Where we're heading with our vision, we're going towards heaven, right? That's real. That's real specific, Josh. I get that. Uh, what do you guys do? We do relationship. Okay, that's that's really ba- vague, and you know, okay, I get that. There's different types of churches, right? And there's different. A lot of them have. They, they emphasize different things. And a church like ours, we, we prefer to have this scripture as a part of what we do. We want to love God with our heart, with our soul, with our mind, and with our strength. And we want to love our neighbor as ourselves. That seems simple, but it's very complex. If you think about certain churches, uh, they all have a different emphasis and uh, let's, like, um, uh, Victory Outreach. Victory Outreach has a very specific mission and a very specific goal and drive. And when I, when I bring this up as an illustration, I want you to know that I think that, that Victory Outreach is a very healthy church. But we all know what they focus on, right? They focus on evangelism. They're out there, they're getting guys off the street and gals off the street, and they're rehabilitating people that are, that are drug addicted and, 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 and gangs and things like that. So if you think about Victory Outreach, you know that their number one value is, is, is reaching the lost. If you think about other churches, uh, Bible-based churches, if they have the word Bible on their, in their title, you know that, that, that they're reading the Bible. So their main concern is, is discipleship, and that's what they focus on, and that's a good thing. Uh, there's other churches. When the Vineyard Christian Fellowship started out, uh, it was known for its worship. Like you knew, you, go, you went to that church to hear good music, and, and then then God did the rest. So there's different churches that had different, you know, specific things. And I believe strongly that a healthy church is going to have a balance of a lot of different approaches. It's good for church, and it's good for you. Now. Um, you have a specific preference about how you like to do church. Some of us love music, and you love to come in and express yourself 
in a worship service. Other people love to dig into the Word. Other people, they get fed by being around other people. They get fed in fellowship. And our goal as, as, as leaders and pastors and elders is that we need to figure out, okay, where is God leading this church here and now? What shall we focus on? And, and if, you've, if, you're, if this is your home church, and if you've been around you know, a year or two, you know that we'll focus on different things, especially on Wednesday night. Wednesday night is kind of the rudder of where the church is going at times. Because Wednesday night, like we're doing Alpha. Alpha is about outreach. It's about evangelism. We want to reach the lost. That's what that one's about. Other times on a Wednesday night, we, we'll, we'll do, we did the entire book of Acts. It took a very long time. <laughs> And we were just like, okay, we've got to dig into the Word. Let's see what it has to say. Let's see what it reveals. And we spent an entire, I don't know, what, that, three months? It was a long time. And, and we went through Acts. And then, and then a few years back, we did a whole summer of worship. And so these are things that, that, that the church leaders are saying, okay, we need to focus on this. And here's what happens. Whenever we do a night of worship at Granite Creek, and say it's for a month, it tends to attract a certain crowd. The demographic automatically changes. Whenever we do an in-depth Bible study for a series of time, the demographic of the church changes. There's certain people that will only show up to a Bible study. There's certain people that will only show up to a worship service. These are the things that we've noticed. And I want to encourage you, push beyond your comfort zone in your spiritual life. Push in. Try something new. And here's the frustration that I've already experienced. Now, I've only been the, you know, the lead pastor for, what is it, three weeks now? Hmm? Uh, but I've been <laughs> doing this for a while. And, and, and I remember specifically when, okay, we have been doing praise Alleluia worship nights for too long. Let's, let's center up on on scripture for a while. And I've had people that have said, you changed the direction of the church. This is not what I signed up for. And I argue with you, well, no, we didn't change a thing. Because this scripture here is, these, these are our guidelines. This is what we do. This is what we think that a healthy church looks like. All right, you ready for my illustration? All right, here we go. I, I used to sail. I used to live in Santa Barbara, and I sailed. Um, and then I had a sailboat as a kid. Okay, so mom and dad, they wouldn't buy me a, they wouldn't buy me a motorcycle, but they bought me a racehorse and a sailboat. So I, I'm like, okay, I'm good with that. Um, a few weeks ago, I talked about how Jesus is the narrow path. Like he is, there's only one way to get through the gate of heaven, and that is through Jesus. And he says, look, it's narrow, it's confining, it's actually very securing, but there's only one way. And broad is the gate that leads to destruction. And big is that door, everybody tends to go through it because they're naturally gra they naturally gravitate towards it. So if the fan is the source, if this is what we're headed to, How many people agree that life is easy? How many people agree that, okay, I know I told you a couple weeks ago that, look, 
Christian faith is really easy. It's straight and narrow. You just stick to it. You, you focus on Jesus, and everything's going to fall in line. How many people think that their spiritual life is that easy? It's not, is it? It's a little more complicated than that, isn't it? All right, this is what I want to show you. At times in life, you get what we call you catch a wave, right? You're downwind, and you're able to, to, to travel in a full sail. And this is when you're the fastest. This is when you're the most empowered. Is it when you're behind the wind itself, and, and you, get the, you get the most benefit, right? How often are you riding a wave in life? Doesn't it, doesn't it seem like life isn't usually this easy? Where you just, you know, open it up and you get where you're going real fast. Most of life is, is going uphill, right? Uh, what did Richard Pryor say? It wasn't Richard Pryor. It was the other guy. Uh, oh. What? No. No, 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 no. Not George Carlin. Uh, <laughs> no, no. No. I'm sorry. Anyway, Bill Cosby, thank you very much. He said Bill Cosby had to walk to school in the snow uphill both ways, right? Okay, that's what life is like. You're, it's uphill both ways in the snow uh, 36 days a year, okay? So that's where we're going now. We're headed towards God, towards the wind, and it's difficult, right? It's not as easy as it seems. And in order to get to where we need to go, a sailboat can actually get to this point. But it is impossible for the sailboat to sail right into the wind, isn't it? Because it's going against everything that physics says. So in order for a sailboat to get to this point, it has to do a zigzag. So it needs to travel first at this angle where the wind catches the sail and it pushes the boat at this 90 degree angle like this. But if it keeps on going too far, it's going to miss the point. So once it gets to about this point, you do what we call a tack. And you tack and you push the boom around so it can catch the wind. And now you're headed in this 45 degree angle, right? And then if you could head too far this way, and once you're heading too far this way, you tack again, and you change, your, you change your sail, and then you catch the wind until eventually you reach your point. And so when we're talking about our mission, we have five things that our church does. We worship, and we will worship on this, on this plane as long as we possibly can until God says, okay, you've gone too far, and you need to tack because all, you're just turning into a bunch of praise hallelujah people. You're, 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 you're going too far. And so then we tack. And when we tack, it's, it's, it's actually hard. It is not a slow turn. That boat whips around. And this thing, it's called a boom. And this boom goes from here, and it slams all the way over here when the wind catches it. And if you're not paying attention, the boom will hit you in the head and knock you off the boat. And you're wondering, what happened? You, you changed the direction on me. And then you head back into the other area, worship. Uh, the other one is evangelism. We, sometimes we need to quit being so inwardly focused and being able to reach our community and share our faith. 
So we, we, we'll, we'll tack. We'll, we'll, we'll move that boom around. If you're not paying attention, you're going to get hit. And then when we come back around, the other, the other value that we have, the other mission that we have is fellowship. Sometimes we just need to hang out together, eat together. There was a lot of eating going on with Jesus and his friends. Discipleship. Actually getting into the word. And the definition of disciple isn't to become a student. Disciples were learners and doers of the word. Sometimes we just need to tack, move that boom, and work on fellowship. Uh, Worship, uh, evangelism, discipleship, fellowship. And then the last one is actually the most hardest one is ministry. Is actually putting others before yourself. To think about, okay, God has gifted me a certain way. How can I express my gifts? What is it that God actually wants me to do? So those are our five values in our church. Um, And in your bulletin, let's write these out. Because they line up specifically with the scripture that we read. First, love God with your whole heart. This scripture, if you paid attention, I know I read the, the, the long, complicated version, but this scripture says, Love your Lord, your God, with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, and with all of your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Um, have you ever heard the, the term mind, body, and soul? Okay, yeah, Plato and Aristotle said that they made that up. Actually, Moses wrote this down a long, lot longer before they did. And they actually added an element that, uh, that Plato and Aristotle didn't add, and that is heart. And when we talk about heart, Love your Lord your God with all of your heart. Our Western mind gets heart mixed up with something else. Our, our Western mind gets the heart mixed up with feelings and emotions because of this holiday that we have called Valentine's Day where, you know, I hurt you. And, uh, you know, I, I love chocolate. And, you know, I love puppies and things like that, right? And so our Western culture says, okay, to heart something is to put an, an emotional attachment onto something, but that's not what this scripture is saying. Uh, That's not what all of scripture calls what the heart is. The heart is the very center and the core of your spiritual existence. It is that part of you that connects with God on a deep spiritual level. It is your spirit. The heart is your spirit. Another way to look at it is, if you want to look at it with a word image, the heart is is the, the house that houses your spirit and hopefully houses Jesus as well. The Holy Spirit and your spirit ought to be living together in a house. So love your Lord your God with all of your heart. It is the very key to what we do. And our heart, our spirit, the scripture tells us that our, that our spirit ought to be worshiping in spirit and truth, right? So when you, when you come in and you worship, you are not worshiping out of a place of emotions or a place out of flesh or even an intellectual understanding of what we're doing. The Bible calls us to worship in spirit, which is it's very, really, what does that mean? That means it is the very essence of who you are. Only your spirit can sense when something is not right in the world, you walk into a room and you automatically sense that there is something bad in the room, an evil presence or something bad is about to happen. You need to pay attention to that. That is the Holy Spirit communing with your spirit, telling your body and your soul what to do. 
Okay, so that is the first part of who we are. Our heart is our spirit. Love your Lord, your God, with all of your spirit. And here's the thing. We were created to worship. That is why we exist on the planet. We are created to worship. So we have to worship him with all of our heart. All right, second point on your outline. Love God with all of your soul. Now, this is the part that our culture does attach heart to, okay? So whenever we say love God with all of your soul... This is, what we, this is what we attribute to emotions. Okay, the soul is, is actually the personality and the temperament and the makeup of who you, who you are and how you interact with people. Your soul is uh, it's your character traits. It's, your, it's the good ones and the bad ones, right? It's your, your anger issues and it's your, it's your humor. Uh, it's your will. It's your drive. The soul is... Um, uh, the soul ought to be directed and led by your spirit. The, the, your spirit ought to say, and David shows us this in the Psalms, the spirit ought to say, soul, why are you depressed, right? David says this over and over and over again. He talks to himself from his heart to his soul. He talks to his emotions. He says, why are you depressed, oh, my soul? Snap out of it. Holy Spirit says, snap out of it, Right? Okay, so love your Lord your God with all of your, your soul, your emotions, your character, your will, your drive, your sense of humor. Hmm? That's what he's saying. Okay, I'm running out of time here, so I've got to move fast. You ready to move fast? All right, so love your Lord your God with all of your soul. Now, if your soul is well, if, if it's all is well with your soul, like you are actually you know, loving God and you're loving others and you're loving yourself, you're going to be in good community. If, you're in a, if, you are, if you have bad emotions, you're going to have bad relationships. So a healthy soul will equal a healthy fellowship. Okay? So that's your feeling right there, the fellowship. The soul will teach, a, will teach us how to live in a, in a healthy family environment. All right, next one. Love your Lord your God with all of your mind. And why I liked the amplified version of what we read. Love God with all of your mind. Is it, is it, and he says it's a moral understanding. Look, you have given, you've got a mind, and one of the big problems with the Christian community is that we've lost track of the Christian mind. Look, we don't reason anymore. So a part of your mind, even though it is flesh, it, it is not the spiritual part, it's not even your emotion part, but God wants us to be able to capture our thoughts and logically think about things. This is kind of weird coming from me because I don't, I'm just like, let's just do it. Uh, but God requires us to reason together. To make a moral judgment with our mind. Okay, I'm going to take in all the facts. Do you ever feel like you live in a gray area? Like there doesn't seem to be a right and wrong. How am I going to make this decision? You're going to have the spirit direct your soul that will direct your mind. And your mind is going to take everything in and it's going to weigh it. What is right? What is wrong? Only your mind can actually play out the scenarios of what will happen in the future. So you have to have, have, it is extremely important to love God with all of your mind. And this is what we call discipleship. This is what we call discipleship. Not only do we have to absorb the word of God, not only do we have to have it living inside of us, uh, we actually have to know it too. So this is the part of the thing where we actually have to memorize scripture. 
where we have to have a, an intellectual grasp of our word and we actually live it out. It's discipleship. All right, next point. I don't know if I have a feeling for that one. But the next point is love your God with all of your strength, with all of your body. This is the body part. This is your, 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 your physical part. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Love God with all of your strength. It also translates into don't give up. Be tenacious in your faith. Over and over again, the scriptures say, be strong in your faith. Don't give in. Don't give up. Be encouraged. And so, look, faith, is, it, it, faith does sometimes just fall on us and happen to us, but it is also hard fought for. And we have to be strong, actually most of the time. We have to be strong and courageous. It doesn't happen unless we're loving God out of our whole body and our, whole, our, our abilities and our gifts, our natural gifts, everything. Everything's got to be brought to the table. Love God with all of your strength. And then, and then the, the, the thing that Jesus tacks on, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, this is not, you might think that this is the evangelism one, but it's not. Uh, this, is the, this, is what, this is the ministry one. Because who's your neighbor? Well, the folks sitting next to you are your neighbors. Good chance, chance they, might be the, you're, you're, they might be Christians. So you're supposed to love your neighbor, Christians. But does it say, only love your neighbor Christians as yourself? <laughs> only, only love those that are, that are faithful to you know, the body of Christ. Those are the ones that you love. You don't, okay, you don't have to love all your other neighbors. You don't have to love that neighbor that plays the music really loud past curfew hours and has the wild parties, you don't have to love that one. No, it says you got to love everyone. And this is, this is probably the most powerful of the values is, okay, you have a ministry not only to your neighbor inside of the flock, but your neighbor inside, outside of the world. And you have to say, okay, how do I love my neighbor? Okay? I gotta, I gotta cut some stuff out. All right, okay, here we go. I got it. Okay, love is the key to this whole, this whole section. It's when, when they presented Jesus with this question, "What's the most important commandment?" You know, there were six hundred and thirteen commandments at the time. So yeah, they're trying to bamboozle him, and they're like, "Okay, well, let's get him." There's a lot of laws that we, that, that we have to obey. The Sadducees are like, eh, laws, you know, whatever. They're, they're, they make up our culture. They're important, they're important uh, you know, cultural installations. And, you know, we, you know it's, it, it keeps us together. It keeps us knitted together. The, the Pharisees are like, oh, 613 laws. I got to obey in order to get to heaven. Let's do it. Let's grind it out. Let's make it happen. All right? And so they asked Jesus, okay, uh, what, what's the most important one, Jesus? Okay? And in their mind, they're automatically going to gravitate to, okay, he's going to pick one of the top ten, right? We know what the top ten are, right? So that's going to be the easiest for him. He's going to automatically gravitate towards the top ten. And the beauty of Jesus' response to this is he doesn't. He actually picks this, when he says, love your Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, uh, and love your neighbor as yourself, Jesus didn't make that up. He's actually quoting Moses. He's actually quoting two scriptures. Uh, the, the one about loving your neighbor as yourself, 
he quotes directly out of the book of Leviticus and, and you know, the heart, soul, mind, body thing. He's, he's quoting out of Deuteronomy. He, it's almost word for word he quotes them. And, and they were blown away. At first when Jesus says, okay, I want you to love, hear, O Israel. This, when he says, hear, O Israel. They all probably snickered a little bit because everybody knows what this verse is. This isn't some deep passage that, that everybody forgot about. This is called the Shema. The Shema, the Shema means hear. And they, that's, that's the, you know, so they say, if you said your Shema today, have you said, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one? They, if you were a good little Jewish boy and Jewish girl, you would, have, you would have repeated the Shema at least twice in one day. Everybody knows this verse. It's common. It's so common, they probably forgot the importance of it. They just, it, it got them into a rote memory. It became religion to them. And Jesus says, hear, O Israel, and they're probably snickering, right, a little bit. Hear, O Israel, your Lord, your God is one. So he's saying this is the, most, this is the primary commandment. Love. And they're probably, oh, how sweet, love, love. And then, then when he combines the two, love God and love people, when he combines them and when he meshes those two verses from those two different books together, uh, the, I, the room goes silent. And I'll, I'll show you that in a minute. And the scribe, the scribe is blown away. The simplicity of the message is so profound, yet it runs so deep. And this is what the, the, what the, the scribe, how the, the scribe responds. Okay, Mark chapter 12, verse 32 and 34. And the scribe said to him, Excellently and fitly and admirably answered, teacher. You have said truly that he is one, and that there is no other but him, and to love him out of and with all the heart and with all the understanding and all the faculty of quick apprehension and intelligence and keenness of discernment and with all the strength and to love one neighbor, one's neighbor as oneself. Okay, catch this. Is much more valuable than the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered intelligently, discreetly, and having his wits about him, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one ventured to dare ask him any further questions. Now, this is what's going on. The, the scribe asked Jesus the question, and this is the scribe's response. The scribe's response is not saying, good job, Jesus, you got it right. No. Okay. The scribe is having an aha moment. You ever, I don't know, like when teachers teach algebra and the, and the kid gets it for the very first time. That never happened to me. I never had an aha moment in algebra. But the lights came on and he got it. He got it. And his response is saying, this is true. This is right. This makes complete sense. In fact, all of the burnt offerings and sacrifices, all of them are not good enough. And he's coming to the conclusion that his religion is not going to get him to heaven. 
The lights come on. He understands for the very first time that he actually gets a glance at a facet of grace. He sees grace in action. He says, oh my gosh, for the very first time I understand. The laws aren't going to get me to heaven. It is this, it's this, it, this relationship thing. It's this loving God with my heart, with my very being, all of me. And to love my neighbor as myself, that requires relationship. Me obeying the rules isn't going to get me there. And Jesus says something very interesting and very disturbing at the same time. What's his response? He says, so it's now, now that the question, the situation is flipped, right? So the scribe was grilling Jesus, and now Jesus is, is actually gr- gr- grilling the scribe. So the, the whole master-teacher thing is flip-flopped. And Jesus is saying, I see that the light bulb came on, and you have moved. You, are, you have moved closer to heaven. You have moved closer to the kingdom of God. You have moved closer to actually experiencing an act of God in your life. You've moved, but you're not there. You've moved, but you're not there. Interesting, huh? We don't know what happens to this guy, by the way. We don't know the rest of the story. But what, God is, what Jesus is saying, look, you're heading in this direction, but you are so entrenched in in discipleship. That's all you know, and you're not brave enough to try something else, that you're going you're gonna to keep on sailing, and you're going to miss the mark. You're going to miss your destination if you don't break out of this rut of constant discipleship. Discipleship isn't good enough. You have to worship me in spirit and truth. You have to be in relationship with me in order to obtain heaven. Like heaven is, uh, when I say heaven, I'm not talking about where I'm going to go when I die. I'm talking about heaven on earth, right here, right now. God active in our lives. That's the prize. That's the goal. And living this balanced Christian life of having all of these things fleshed out, that's how we get there. That's how you build a healthy church. That's how you have balance inside of your life. All right, I got to have the band of ushers come up to the front. Again, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push on you a little bit. The scribe had the aha moment. He understood. The light bulb came in. We can even understand the concept of the cross. We can understand redemption. We can understand that somebody's paid the price for us. We can have that aha moment. It doesn't mean that we're in a relationship with God. There's the question that you have to ask. Am I in relationship? Or am I trying to build a religion? Am I in relationship with God? Let's pray. Father, right now, I just thank you so much for this church family, its desire to shed anything that feels like religion and that desperately desires 
healthy, balanced relationship with the prize and the goal in mind. I pray right now that you will give us, uh, you give us strength, God, that we will be able to love you with all of our strength, that we will have a tenacity and a perseverance when it comes to our faith. We won't ever give up. And that we'll always, even though it seems scary and fast and, and the boom might be coming over, that we'll stay true and we'll stay faithful and that we'll be headed towards you, God. We'll be headed in the direction of where the source of life comes from. So blow on us right now. We say relationship, not religion. We love you.